Hello, fellow law nerds. Welcome to another episode of Boom Lawyered, a Rewire News Group podcast hosted by the legal journalism team that is fired up and ready to fight and hopes that you are too. I'm Rewire News Group Senior Editor of Law and Policy, Imani Gandhi. And I'm Jess Piclo, Rewire News Group's Executive Editor. Rewire News Group is the one and only home for expert repro journalism that inspires you to dig deep for the fight ahead, folks. And the Boom Lawyered podcast is part of that mission. So big thanks to our subscribers and a welcome to our new listeners. So we're about, what, five days out of the death of Roe? Um, Get out. That's all? (laughs) Just five days since six, well, five Federalist Society judges. And then John Roberts also told women in this country people capable of becoming pregnant in this country, that we don't matter, mm-hmm. that our lives don't matter, that our sense of bodily autonomy doesn't matter, that our sense of self doesn't matter. And if you've been listening to Boom Lawyered, you knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to get ready because you were already ready. Boom Lawyered, Rewire News Group, we are your lighthouse in the storm. We are going to take your hand and we're going to gently walk you down the path towards liberation. We need you and you need us but we need your money. So please go to rewirenewsgroup.com slash donate. That's rewirenewsgroup.com slash donate. We love you. You love us. Let's do this together. I just want to start off by reading a quote. <laughs> okay. And it's a quote by you, Jessica Mason Piclo, in an article oh that you published, Where Were You the Day That Roe Died? And I thought it was a really powerful article because you sort of talked about your history in the movement and how you love writing these articles, these meaty articles about these meaty opinions and really wrestling with the issues. And then you said, and I quote, I can't do that with Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. The majority opinion is such an exercise of bad faith jurisprudence and the political campaign to bring the case to the court and presto changeo it to a direct challenge to Roe is such a farce that there's nothing more for me to engage with on the merits. And I just wanted to say how much I love that because... It's absolutely correct. You know, as a lawyer, as someone who enjoys the law, enjoys reading constitutional law and constitutional principles, I like being able to wrestle with ideas. I like reading the occasional opinion from a conservative on the court that I have to agree with reluctantly. And we don't have that anymore. The Dobbs decision, no matter what people try to tell you, they'll try to say, oh, they followed the law. They absolutely did not. And all you have to do is read Jessica Mason Pico's piece to understand how they didn't. And then if you have room for more, go read Sonia Sotomayor's dissent because she really lays it all out. So I just want to say thanks to Jess for writing that piece and making me feel better about not being able to read this decision in the sort of glee that I normally read these sorts of decisions. Looking for, you know, light uh, lighthouses in the storm. Right. If I may. Any intellectual honesty whatsoever. None. There's zero. Also, if you want to read all of our Dobbs Day coverage, it can be found at rewirenewsgroup.com slash end of row. That's rewirenewsgroup.com slash end of row. So mm-hmm. yesterday we got another big day of ignoring precedent. That seems to be the theme with the Fed Sox 6. It's a YOLO term. It's the YOLO term. It really is. And Monday we got, I, I mean, what are, what? Prayer in school seems to be fine now. Yeah. That's new. 
it's just, it's cool. It's super cool, right? So this case, Amani and I haven't even had a chance to really dive into it that much on the podcast because everything has been so bananas on the abortion front. But wow, this was a like huge seismic shift in our understanding of the Constitution that the court just dropped this week. In Kennedy versus Bremerton School District, the Supreme Court functionally opened the floodgates to allow prayer in public school. And folks, when I say it's bad, it's real bad. The case took a nuclear bomb to the Establishment Clause. And like Dobbs, the conservative majority basically just created their own facts and law to justify overturning precedent. Like, I love, hate this court that's just like, okay, so here's our outcome. How do we get get to it? To the point that, like, they're just making shit up. Yeah, they're just making shit up. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. The total annihilation of the separation of church and state by the conservative justices this term. And which justice is most to blame? Think about it. Who do you think is to blame, listeners? Yeah, let's talk about it. He's got a pandemic beard. (laughs) And a house 10 minutes from where I live. Okay, Amani, I want to get into the facts of this case because it's bananas. Yeah, let's do it. It's bananas. Like uh, when we talk about like, you know, evangelical grift. Here we go. All right. So Coach Kennedy, right? Like I, we need to set the stage. Let's like get into a very Friday Night Lights feel right now, okay? Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, prayer at public high school football games. All right. So Coach Kennedy is the main actor slash villain in this story for us. He's a guy who incorporates, quote unquote, motivational prayer into his football coaching at this public high school. Motivational prayer. Motivational prayer. That sounds... All right. Hey, look, you know, I've been involved in new sports since I was a youth. And there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of this stuff in there. And like, you know, personal motivational prayer, whatever. That's fine. Keep it there. No issues. But does that ever stay there? No. This evolved into public prayer events after games where Coach Kennedy's players and then players from opposing teams would kneel around Kennedy and pray as he held up helmets from both teams. All right? Like, football is sacred shit. All right? But he didn't stop there. Oh, of course not. These events further evolved until they functionally became big-ass public prayer events after games at the 50-yard line of the football field that Coach Kennedy would lead. Like, massive community events. Everybody huddled around Coach Kennedy in prayer. And so there were students who complained, rightfully Mm -hmm. so, that they felt compelled to participate. Which, I mean, obviously, right? Like, if you are a, a high school athlete and you're maybe a Jewish high school athlete and the rest of your town is primarily Christian and they're all praying at the 50-yard line, what are you going to do? Stand at the field goal line and just sit there while everyone else is praying? No, you participate because you feel like you have to. You participate because you feel like there may be repercussions if you don't. Maybe this coach is going to treat you a little bit differently. Maybe he's not going to put you in the game as much. Mm -hmm. These are actual, real, viable concerns. Yeah. So eventually, due to these actual, real, and viable (laughs) concerns... This is such the wildest story ever. it's, It's freaking bananas. It really is. So the Bremerton School District says, hey, Coach Kennedy, can you knock off the public praying? Can you just, can you maybe just not do it in public? Tone it down a little. 
The school district said, you know what? We would be happy to accommodate your private exercise of faith. Mm -hmm. But leading this entire community in prayer on public school property is a (laughs) no-no. Like, you can't do that. You can't lead a very public Christian prayer session while acting as an official representative of a public school. Where are we? What is going on? Like, you can't see me right now, but I'm just looking around because I want to know what's happening and where it's happening from. Where? Why? What's going on? You know, I mean, so I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the school district. Coach Kennedy hears this and does the very reasonable thing by responding on going on a media tour. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. He goes on a media tour. This man goes to any outlet who will listen to him and Good Morning America. Good, Good morning, morning America is out there marketing himself as a coach who, quote unquote, made a commitment with God, Amani. Uh, I mean, He's being persecuted. Yeah, He's on a media PR campaign and then tells the school district, yeah, you know what I'm going to do, guys? I'm going to keep praying at the 50-yard line. Like, sorry, it's not going to go. Yeah. As you might imagine, mm. given all the media hype and this very public persecution campaign that Coach Kennedy took himself on, the next football game was a circus. Like, people rushing the field to get onto there to engage in a prayer circle. You got to rush the field for Jesus. I mean, <laughs> look, I went to, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and went to the University of Wisconsin. Football is sacred in those places. And all of this is just like, I, I mean, the it's just the clear extension of using, you know, sport as an evangelical tool, which I could go on and on and on for conversion opportunities in youth sports. Anyway, the idea that, you know, the school district was like, hey, man, we respect your faith. We respect what you're trying to do as a coach. We just ask that you not do this very publicly because it's going to get us sued, right? Like yeah. it's a problem. And yeah. Coach Kennedy was like, hmm. Okay. Mediator. <laughs> Mediator. Give me a fucking break. So obviously this whole thing turned into a lawsuit Challenging bans on prayer in public school. Yep. Thanks to a huge assist from such conservative luminaries, <laughs> conservative legal advocacy groups like Alliance Defending Freedom and the Beckett Fund. We all, we're all familiar with Alliance Defending Freedom. They're an anti-LGBTQ hate group. And the Beckett Fund, I mean, that's the law firm, the Christian law firm that basically handled all the birth control cases. I mean, yep. we were we were ass deep in the Beckett Fund with those birth control cases. Oh. So. We, not not a big fan of either of those organizations. The co- so the connections between the anti-choice movement and this push for prayer in uh, school all yeah. meet up at Beckett Fund and ADF. Indeed. And so on Monday, the Fed Sox 6 ruled in favor of Coach Kennedy and his absurd antics and said, sure, go ahead. Why not? Pray in school. That's perfectly constitutional. And I have one question for you. What the fuck, Jess? <laughs> That is going to be the operative question coming out of this Supreme Court term and going into the next one is, what the fuck is the court doing? I mean, honestly, the decision is another example of the court completely ignoring precedent and rewriting its own facts to get to the outcome. Like we said, this case is absolutely taking us one step closer to theocratic rule in this country. We're going to walk through it. Gorsuch's majority opinion flat out lies 
about the facts. Oh my God, such a huge lie. Like it is, it's just fiction. I don't know, maybe he, like myself at times, is a frustrated creative writer and is seeking a new outlet for his fictional impulses in majority opinions having to do with the First Amendment. Because what Gorsuch describes in the majority opinion and what the other conservative justices sign on and endorse is to describe what Kennedy is doing as a as conducting a private individual moment that others were free to join or not join as they wished but this was this was a private personal exercise of faith that coach Kennedy was doing whenever i want to have a private personal exercise of my faith i go to a large football game Right. And then after the game, when there are throngs of people around, I just solemnly walk out to the 50 yard line and fall to my knees in prayer. I mean, and then when like hundreds of people come and join me, I raise helmets up in victory. I mean, (laughs) can we stop it, please? Neil, it was such a bald faced lie that and I I've not seen this before in a Supreme Court opinion in any way, shape or form. But Justice Justice Sotomayor's dissent includes a photograph of the event dead center in it, which let me say was very much not an individual or private event. Like there it is. There's the coach. There's all the players in the community around it. And she's like, really, Neil? Really? (laughs) Bitch, really? Is what she was thinking in her head. I am so sure. It's wild. And it's important. I mean, it's one thing like, you know, Imani, you and I have talked about how it is a futile exercise to call conservatives out on their hypocrisy to themselves because they don't care. They're shameless. They're doing these things, knowing they're hypocritical, knowing that there's no actual like logic or rhyme or reason on it. But wow, to see that enshrined now in constitutional law, like just flat out making facts up. We are in a whole new day here. Anyway. And I think it's I think it's critical. Like some people might think, oh, that was petty or passive aggressive to do something like that. But it's not because as I've been saying for months now, Sotomayor and Kagan and Jackson are going to be the people who are writing dissents that become majority opinions. Mm-hmm. And in 20, 30 years, when the court in 2050 or whatever is taking a look at the next school prayer case and trying to figure out where this 2022 court went wrong, they can look at at Sotomayor's dissent and look at this picture and be like, they thought this was a private prayer moment? That's bananas, right? Yeah. So they'll have that that context, that reference. And it'll be, it's there for everyone to see. I think that that's critical. It's serving a very important civic need right now, which is not allowing the conservative majority to gaslight and lie to the American public. It is absolutely correcting a factual record of a historical document, which is the Supreme Court opinion. Like, it's wild that we we are having Supreme Court justices have to fact check their colleagues in dissenting opinions like that, as opposed to having a difference of opinion on how the law should be applied. Like literally you lied about the facts, boys. Like it's just wild. So Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion and says that the court should abandon over 50 years of precedent, right? Okay. That sounds familiar. We've seen the court abandon precedent before. They don't actually overrule it by the way. The court just says we're going to abandon it, which what the fuck does that mean? I don't even know. It's going to, Make it do a walk of shame home. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, And instead of looking to precedent and starry decisis as 
has been the norm for hundreds of years of Supreme Court history. Neil Gorsuch and the conservative majority instead say, we're going to look to historical practices and understandings, Amani, when, inval- when evaluating claims that something like a public school employee leading public prayer is an establishment clause violation. I feel like historical practices and understanding is that we are a country that believes in the separation of church and state as written by the framers who y'all can't stop dry humping. Stop dry humping the framers, guys, and then stop trying to pretend that they said things that they didn't say because they, oh, I just, all right, reset. Let's talk about how they abandoned this precedent, right? The precedent we're referring to is called the lemon test. We did a couple shows on this a while ago, way back in the early archives. Was that the boobs case? I think it was the boobs case. case. Yeah. I think it it was the boobs and cake case. Boobs and cake case. Oh, my God. That would have made it Masterpiece Cake Shop before Masterpiece Cake Shop was at the Supreme Court. Oh, my God. That's like four years ago. Holy hell. Oh, we are old. We've been doing this for a long time. And we're not going to stop anytime soon, listeners. Anyway, go deep into the into the Boom Lawyered archives. And there's an episode we did about uh, boobs and cake as free speech. And we talked in great detail about the lemon test. We did indeed. But I will go over it briefly here for you again. So the lemon test is from a case called Lemon v. Kurtzman in 1971. And it's a three-pronged test because lawyers love prongs. When was the last time we talked about a three-pronged test? I miss talking about three-pronged tests. Lawyers love a three-pronged test. We really do. And so this lemon three-pronged test says that in order for a government action to not violate the establishment clause of the First Amendment, which says that basically governments can't establish religion, right? That action must have a, quote, secular legislative purpose, right? Right. If the government is going to do something that doesn't violate the First Amendment, that action must have a secular legislative purpose. That's the first prong. Prong number two, the principal purpose of that government action should neither prohibit nor advance religion, right? So the second prong says that the government action has to be neutral. Yep. And then third, and finally... The government should avoid getting, quote, excessively entangled with religion, which is, you know, one of those mealy mouth phrases that doesn't really mean much, but which is a directive towards courts to use their sound judgment to determine whether or not a government action is excessively entangled with religion. And it seems to me if you are telling the football coach of a school that he can host community prayer at the 50-yard line after the big game, that's excessively entangling with religion. But what do I know? I'm just a black lady living in Colorado. (laughs) I think under Neil Gorsuch's recitation of the facts in this case, what the Bremerton School District would be a violation of the lemon test. But he lied about the fucking facts! Like, if Kennedy was having his private prayer moment in, like, a broom closet, and the school district was like, get out of here, man. And he was like, no, man, I'm going to good America, man. And school district was like, no, man. I mean, okay, I don't know why I'm going with this whole whole skit that I'm acting out. But if he was doing it privately, then, yes, the school district would be in the wrong. But he wasn't doing it privately. And not only was he not doing it privately, he went on a media tour, and then the next time there was a game, it was even more public than it had been before. So... You know, I mean, I appreciate I I appreciate Neil Gorsuch and the conservatives finding a way 
to strike the lemon test without actually doing it, right? Without actually doing it and, you know, covering their asses in the process too. really, truly bang up job there, guys. Like, okay, so if Gorsuch wants to look at historical practices and understandings. What does that even mean? I mean, these are the kind of things that should terrify us, right? Because coming back to back with Dobbs, what we have and what we're seeing is the conservative majority really cherry picking moments of this nation's history and legal history as well to stitch together, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of quilt that basically takes us back to, you know, our worst colonial imperialist days, right? So what are some of the historical practices and understandings like what was going on at that time oh i don't know women were property black people were property black people were property there were no recognized other faiths that yeah. the white christian male landowners in this country were entertaining it's not as though they have envisioned the faith of practices of the various indigenous folks oh god no right yeah. So, you know, when we go back to this, you know, historical understanding of religious exercise in this country, it's a very specific idea of who gets to practice religion. You know, I mean, so that is wild. In addition to the whole, you know, just we'll make up facts to make up the law to get us to where we want to go. Yeah. Outcome determinative, which is also odd coming from a bunch of Catholics on the court because it's oh not god, like, don't even get me started, <laughs> right? Like, what are y'all doing? I, I have been on Twitter about this. Like, you know, everybody is excited. Like, the Catholic or ori- conservatives on the court are all into originalism, and I'm like, y'all, the founding fathers would be upset that you were even there. They did not want a papist on the court, and we have six. They are losing their minds. Right? Okay. <laughs> exactly, and. And, and I just have to reiterate, right? Like decisions like Dobbs and Kennedy are anti-majoritarian and they're anti-democratic, right? The majority of Americans didn't want Roe versus Wade to be overturned, no. right? The majority of Americans don't want the elision of church and state, right? They want them to right. remain separate. People like the separation of church and state, not just by a little bit, but by wide majorities. Yeah. So again, this is the court thumbing its nose, giving the old the vaifanculo to the public and saying, we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to do what the Federalist Society sent us here to do. And that is usher in this Christian theocratic nation where we don't give a shit about anybody's rights except for cis white dudes who really love Jesus. And putting this decision in context with the ongoing, you know, attacks by conservatives on public education in general is really important. The court uh, earlier, you know, was it last week, this week? I don't even know. Sometime in June, because it's all been terrible, said that taxpayers functionally have to support religious institutions, right? So, like, we have mandated taxpayer funding of religious uh, schools right now. We have functionally mandated school prayer. I mean, if you are at a public my public school in Omaha Nebraska for example this would have been a very dicey policy because there were definitely uh, high school teachers and folks in the administration who were very outwardly evangelical Christian it infected 
all of our learning. In fact, my high school even went to the Supreme Court and had a case because they wanted to have a Bible uh, study on it. And the administration tried to like, you know, dance around that. So in places like Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, like vast majorities of the country, this is going to result in public schools being functionally adjacent to religious institutions. And so those of us who believe in things like secular schooling and secular government will have a choice to make. Do we continue on in these spaces or do we not? And that's how you slowly erode public education. Those of us who have believed in public education and have, you know, made a commitment to it as parents will pull out if we have the privilege and means to do so. And that's what they're counting on. And it's all fucking Neil Gorsuch's fault at this point. And that also leaves people who can't afford to exactly stuck in public school situations where their faith may not be recognized, where they may be bullied mis- by their classmates, by their teachers, mistreated yep. because they won't participate in in these religious activities. I mean, think about what it must be like being a Jewish person in a public high school like this. Right. How many times are there activities, extracurricular activities on the Sabbath that you can't participate in? How many times do you have to have a, your parent write a note? So you could participate in the high holidays, which aren't recognized. Like imagine, like yeah. they, these schools don't recognize Rosh Hashanah. I mean, I don't. It's just, it's, it's so frustrating that it's. Ugh, I can't. It's just very frustrating. We're li- we live in a very frustrating time where all of the principles of the Constitution no longer seem to matter, and all that seems to matter is what a very narrow group of people believed several hundred years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, the First Amendment in terms of its power and protections in this country is really, I mean, it's the first. It's that, you know, it's literally like that most important. And the idea of of really prioritizing religious expression over all other expression, because, I mean, let's say Colin Kaepernick's taken a knee case had made it to the Supreme Court. Protected speech? Oh, hell no. Absolutely not. No. I mean, we're, we are, we had the, you know, we are at a point where there are protest cases, First Amendment protest cases working their way up to the Supreme Court. And we could see that protest speech is afforded very little protection in traditionally progressive and liberal spaces, while religious, certain religious expression is basically permitted everywhere. That's how you turn civic secular spaces into religious theocratic spaces. Can I ask you a question? And you're not going to have an answer to this question. Yeah. Why is it that they love the framers on some things but hate the framers on the other? Because they know good and goddamn well the framers didn't, didn't want a, an elision of church and state. I mean, there's, that's, that's just a rhetorical. Just yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But OK, so I just, it's frustrating. I owe you something, though. I owe you something. Yes. OK, hit me. I owe you an apology. Oh. Oh, really? Why? I do. So over the last two years, you know, it's it's been tough in the pandemic, right? Like things have shifted. People have felt more isolated. You're getting kind of, I don't know, more, I don't know, like your just head goes into weird places. And I feel like over the last year or so on the pod, I have been making some jokes about Neil Gorsuch. And the fact that he looks pretty good in a pandemic beard. Yeah, I know. The beard The beard is rough. It's rough. I hear you. And, and I feel like I, I'm an adult enough to admit that I might have been put under a spell a little bit by that pandemic beard. A little beard spell. <laughs> I was hypnotized a little bit 
by the salt and pepper and the isolation and wanted to give Neil Gorsuch a little bit of credit. Gorsuch, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your beard just hypnotizes me. <laughs> no, you did not. Now I'm going to have that in my head forever. <laughs> it's okay, Jess. I forgive you. You are my friend. I love you. And it's okay. He was originally Neil Gorsuch yeah, on this he podcast. He was. We named him Neil Gorsuch for a reason. And I need to go back and remember that because he's, he he's why we're here. <laughs> He got put on the court. He gave us this shitty decision in Trinity Lutheran, which was like 50 lifetimes ago, that really started this ball rolling, right? That's the case that said, oh, hey, you know, there's a church playground. They want to get some upgrades. And the city said, nope, you can't be part of this program because we don't give money directly to churches. And Neil Gorsuch said, sorry, that violates the Constitution. You must give money directly to churches. Otherwise, you violate the First Amendment. Yeah. Here it's we are. Okay, Jess. It's okay. I'm Jess. sorry. I pledge to do better in the future. <laughs> I accept your apology. We will work through this together. And on that note, I would like to thank everyone listening to this podcast, whether this is the first time you've listened, whether you've been listening from the beginning. Thank you. Thank you for your support. I mean, this has been a rough year for Jess and me, for sure. And doing this podcast and your responses on Facebook and on Twitter have really gotten us through. So thank you. We appreciate you and stick with us because we are going to we're, we're not stopping. We're not stopping. Can't stop. Won't stop. It was so great on this week to meet some of our listeners oh, in yes. real life. We had yes. an in-person event we did. at the Skylark Lounge in Denver, Colorado to sort of process with folks here in Colorado. And we got to meet some of uh, you listeners in real life. So for the, those folks who came up to us after the show and said hi and were there and all of it, thank you for being part of this family with us. Thank you for going on this ride with us. And thank you for your support through all of it. And thanks to Courtney specifically, who made you feel tall. <laughs> right? There's a picture where I literally look like I'm bigger than 5'5". Five five. Yeah, you look like you're like 5'7", five 5'8". Five Definitely. That's because both of us are really short. At any rate, if you would like to talk to us about how tall you are, you can find <laughs> us on Twitter. I'm at Angry Black Lady, and I'm 5'2 and 3 quarters on a good day. Jess is Hegemommy. She's 5'4", and she's H-E-G-E-M-O-M-M-Y. And we will see you. Where are we going to see them, Jess? We will see you on the tubes, folks. We'll see you on the tubes, folks. Boom Lawyered is created and hosted by Jessica Mason Piclo and Imani Gandhi. Mark Folletti produces the show. 